Hello, listeners. Before we start today's show, I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you all how much it helps us out when you give our podcast ratings and reviews on sites like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And maybe this is your first time listening to the show, and if so, welcome. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the show so that you don't miss any of the great episodes we've got in the pipeline. Now, on to today's show. Hello, audiobook fans. Welcome to another episode. Today, Harper Audio presents Puss in Boots. Last year, Harper produced a very unique listening experience, a new audiobook take on the story of Rumpelstiltskin called Spin. But it wasn't just an audiobook. It was an audiobook musical. Listening to Spin was like going to a Broadway show without having to leave your house. It had everything you wanted in a musical. Uh, music, an excellent full cast, drama, dancing. Okay, it didn't have dancing, but you get the idea. Spin was a critical hit, being honored by the Audis for Best Original Work. They were honored by the Parents' Choice Awards, by so many other awards. And now the team that brought you Spin is back with an even bigger audiobook musical, Puss in Boots, which is on sale now. Puss in Boots is a fractured fairy tale musical. Over the course of 11 original songs comes a hilarious adventure performed by a full cast of actors and audiobook veterans and narrated by the legendary Jim Dale, who's probably best known in the audiobook world as the narrator for the Harry Potter books. We're going to play you one of those 11 songs a little later on in the show, so make sure to stick around. But first, we want you to meet the creative team behind Puss in Boots. Neil Fishman, Harvey Edelman, and Christine Vam joined us to talk about the collaborative process, what draws them to fairy tales as source material, and much more. They also take a wild turn with the Harper Audio Grab Bag. So sit back and enjoy our interview with the creators of Puss in Boots. We are here discussing Puss in Boots, discussing probably Spin a little bit as well, because we have to play the hits too. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm curious, with an audiobook musical, uh, what was the process like of actually like recording the music? Recording. Okay. I think Neil put it best uh, when he said it was frantic and fun. <laughs> I think that was Harvey who put it. It's okay. That. It's, it's okay. You know, we're interchangeable. You know, <laughs> Lennon and McCartney, you know. It's, what it was. Frantic and fun. Does um, that make you Ringo or George Christine? I don't know who that makes me. <laughs> the, the babysitter, I but guess. It was. It was, it, was, uh, it was like controlled chaos, but uh, we had a good plan and it came off great. Performers were amazing. We didn't have time for a lot of takes, but they were, they were amazing. They just delivered. I think where our team excels is that we are incredible planners mm-hmm. and we try to get everything down to the minute, but we don't get married to that plan. So if something comes up and we need to change right away, we're all very flexible um, and we do it with um, excitement and interest and passion. So I, I think that's sort of the best part of our team is that we're planners, but we're also ready to go off book and, and roll with it. Just to get a little concrete with this, oh, the yes. actual recording process started with music that had to be prepared, mm-hmm. the, all right? And what we call backing tracks, all right? So when we went into the studio, 
we had those backing tracks ready for the performers to sing. And then, of course, there was the, narr- the narration and the dialogue that had to be done. So that's, that's, the, that's part of the process that um, is, uh, is really the, the way that it progresses. All right. And so what we do to get those backing tracks prepared is we lock Neil in his <laughs> office <laughs> and we don't let him come out until they're done. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not really Thank too you for far the recognition. The truth. Basically, I appreciate it. Basically, Thank Neil you. is wearing headphones about 12 hours a day. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and composing music and, um, and, um, and, and as everyone will hear and as you heard with Spin, um, what he does is, is a humongous piece of our success. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, so we lock him in the room until it's perfect. You, you've never said that before. I appreciate <laughs> Don't that. flatter him too much because then it'll, you know. <laughs> but it'll but in truth. If I flatter him <laughs> while we're recording it, you can I can just uh, have uh, him later. rewind it. Yeah. Like, okay. When I'm criticizing <laughs> yes. him, I can just be like, hit rewind. you got to put it in a sandwich. Right. You do a compliment, <laughs> right. a criticism, and then a compliment after. Yeah. Right. 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 What was the most people that you got in the booth at one one point? There well, were a that's lot a good question. when I came when I came to watch part of this like process. I couldn't even see everybody in the room. Well, I think the finale we had almost everybody in there, right? I, I want to say eight. Yeah, I want to wow. say eight. Wow, and eight I want to say these are boots time. that were not made to boots. to have yeah, uh, no. eight eight people in the slightest. Yeah. No, and you know our actors again. Um, we, we are so blessed with these incredibly talented uh, and appreciative performers because they were happy to squish themselves inside this booth. And I think we were, at one point, we were like three on a mic to yeah. do some of this music um, that that Neil orchestrated and, and directed. And um, yeah, the actors were completely excited to be a part of the process. But I, I want to say there were at least eight or nine at one time, mm-hmm. especially for the finale. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people the day that I came. Because mm-hmm. normally when I, not to get too inside baseball in the world of audiobook marketing, <laughs> but when I normally come to the studio, I'll come in there and there's maybe two or three people in there. And I mm-hmm. turn the corner and I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Everybody's here. Yeah. 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 And, that, and that's, that's one of the elements of what we're doing that kind of makes it quite special. You know, mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to Harvey's comment about, about being frantic and yeah, fun, yeah. you yeah. know, because that day that you came was the first day. And we had so many elements that we wanted to make sure that we got done on that first day. And we had even talked about it. Do we want this chaotic day to be the first day of recording? Mm -hmm. Or do we want this chaotic day to be the last day of recording? And, and, you know, when I say we're planners, that's even part of the process. Like we wanted to create camaraderie between the actors. We wanted everybody to know each other. We wanted that energy that first day. Um, And having you and Beth there and a photographer, and Mm -hmm. it just added to to the chaos, but it was, as you saw, it was this wonderful creative experience. It but, certainly was chaotic. Yeah. But, uh, and we got through it. I mean, Christine planned it um, and she was on top of everything. And the only problem was that Christine would occasionally laugh or cry. <laughs> and we had to wait until she stopped sobbing <laughs> I do after have a t- ballad or something, some such thing. And, but otherwise she was, uh, kept things moving. And that's, you know, that's how we got through this frantic production. What was the most difficult part of the process? <laughs> not not necessarily the recording process. We can go the the whole whole cloth, everything. Yeah. I don't I don't know if there was something that really stands out as being a difficult part of the process. Um, I would say collaboration is always difficult, and the three of us. Very good. I was, I was, I was, wondering, <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Uh, so the three of us, you'll hear in Puss in Boots, and you've heard in Spin. It's an incredible production. Um, and it's because the three of us are so passionate about 
what we're doing. We care deeply about the outcome. And so um, there are times when we are celebrating one another, and there are times when we are cursing each other out. But it's all <laughs> it's all in service to the final product that we all deeply care about. And so that can sometimes be the difficult part. But once we hit the studio, we're on the same page. We are ready to go. You know, all of that is 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 under the bridge, so to speak. Do <laughs> you was, agree? Th- yes. There was one situation where we had a song in the show that was really sending out the wrong message. And Christine pointed that out. And uh, Harvey as well, uh, who's our lyricist and co-book writer. And they had to convince me <laughs> that that particular song needed to be changed and adjusted. And I put up a bold fight. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I realized that, first of all, I was outvoted. And sec- <laughs> second, secondly, that what they were saying when I opened up my mind to it really made sense. And in the end, it was the right choice. I remember that one, right? I think that's happened for all three of us. I think we've all yeah, been in a situation yeah. where one of us was just dug our feet in and right. said, no, I right. want it this way. And the other two, you know, have this other opinion and sort of an outside perspective of clarity and are saying, I, th- I think you're wrong. Yeah. And now you're outvoted. And so I think we've all, all three of us have come up against like, all right, fine, you two don't want it. I guess I It's kind of amazing the, the conflict that can go on and sometimes heated arguments mm-hmm. to ultimately come up with something fun and charming and sometimes silly. Um, this is the follow-up to Spin. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it about fables, about fairy tales that keep you coming back to the well? And how did, how did you settle on Puss in Boots in particular this time okay. around? Okay, well, the great thing about fairy tales is that there are no rules. You don't have to worry about suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Whatever world we create <laughs> exists. And in, and in our fairy tale kingdom, the king had a coach with cruise control. <laughs> Why? Because we said it has cruise control. Exactly. And yeah. that's the end of it. And he has a driver named Magellan who yeah. never gets lost. <laughs> so we can do that. And we and anything else we wanted to do. I mean, some of it pushes the envelope, but as long as we get the laugh and it doesn't get in the way of the story, why not? And I think um, part of what we do in choosing um, fairy tales and fables is that we can address a wider audience, mm. right? So we can get you know, your three-year-old all the way up to your 90-something-year-old grandmother, um, all while sort of capturing the inner child in us all. Um, and we we touch on some very satirical, very serious themes in Puss in Boots um, that are going to be more attractive or more interesting to the adults while sort of keeping it all very fun and light and energetic for the kids. So I think we, we strike a really incredible balance there. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hop into a time machine for a second here, uh, because I also have a suspension of disbelief on this podcast. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we need there. sound effects now. Yeah, right? exactly. Where, where are we? <laughs> I'll, I'll put in a flux capacitor <laughs> sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you were all the average age of the listener of Puss in Boots, although it's for everybody yeah, between 8 and 93. Yeah, yeah. Right. you're strictly in between it. No, but uh, when you're on the younger side, mm-hmm. I should mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. what were you reading? What were you listening to? That's great. Well, um, um, I, I, when I was young, I can remember the first day that MTV aired. Oh. And so when I was young, um, I spent my days listening to music and watching videos on MTV. So I was one of those MTV kids. So that's what I was doing. 
Ah, you wanted your MTV. I wanted my MTV. Video killed the radio star. Yeah, we were, uh-huh. Very we were first song on MTV. Yeah, and yeah. I was there for You're it. You're going to see our age When we were growing now, up, <laughs> there was no MTV. I'm not right, sure. Right, right, right. Was there electricity? I'm not quite <laughs> sure. But, I think Edison had just invented that phonograph. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, did, uh, I became, at, at some point in my early adult life, a big reader. And I, got, I went back and read everything I should have read growing up. But when I was younger, I read Mad Magazine. And I, in evenings, I, I used to watch a lot of old movies with my mom, who was a big late old movie buff. So we would stay up late to watch these old movies. I was on uh, split sessions, so I didn't have to be at school till noon. So we could stay up till two or three in the morning and watch these old black and white movies. <laughs> you had a cool and I mom. Still yeah. mani- and I still managed to oversleep for school. <laughs> but, but that's 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 what I uh, you know that's what formed my uh, th- those years of my. My, uh... So, um, in terms of what I listened to, I was at an early age a musical theater buff, and one case in particular, I remember uh, it was Charles Strauss who wrote the musical Golden Boy. Mm-hmm. Sammy Davis Jr. was starring that. This is really dating me now, right? <laughs> and um, there's so many and, things that date you. And, and I, <laughs> and, and I remember <laughs> it's it's interesting because I never saw a live production of the show itself, but I remember my brother did, and they brought home an album of the show. And I wore out the vinyl on that yeah. album. We used to listen to that show all the time. Um, and, you know, from that point on, I was mostly, mostly listening. I mean, I listened to pop music and all the classical music. I was classical trained, trained pianist. Um, but, um, but musical theater is where, you know, my, my heart always leaned toward. Well, that, and my ears. <laughs> yeah. That leads right into my next question. So amazing segue. Thank you. Uh, is where did you all come first into your love of the world of theater? Oh, you can't ask me that. I, I just did. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Uh, Christine, Christine was dragged in, kicking and screaming. <laughs> well, you know, you know. Let me just continue. Yeah, now, yeah. Okay. Only because um, my first show was Oliver. All right? My mom took me to see that show. I must have been ten or eleven years old, and um, and I was swept away. I cried as a young kid doing that show. I was just transported. And you talk about suspending disbelief. Mm-hmm. I entered another dimension <laughs> watching that show and I can remember it to this day. And that's really, that's really what sparked me into a, a musical theater career and writing for musical theater was, was that experience. I had a, a similar um, experience as far as that. Oliver and I think I saw a funny thing happen on the way to the forum. Those mm-hmm. were the two four shows I first saw and they were amazing and I was transported, but I never thought about writing them. Neil was an accomplished musician growing up and I wasn't. And I, after college, I was just hanging out with my guitar writing songs because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody came to, uh, uh, came to me and said, would you like, I hear you're writing, so maybe you can help me write an adaptation to a musical. He could have asked me anything. He could have asked me to open a bagel store. And it would have, I probably would have said, sure, because I'm not doing anything. But he asked me to help him write a musical. And we started writing this musical. And a few months later, Neil was brought in to write the music. And, and all of a sudden, I was writing lyrics for a yep. musical. Yep. And that's the way life goes sometimes. That was to bet a fortune, right? From the Bo yeah. stratagem. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To yeah. think you could have been making bagels. Exactly. I mean, bagels <laughs> lost, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> I never cool. had I never had a love affair of musical theater um, in my in my younger days when I started uh, developing an interest in acting and performing and doing stage work. Um, I had 
I had done a few auditions. I remember my very first audition for a musical was going to be a musical version of Alice in Wonderland. And at the time, I was like, look-wise, I was the perfect little Alice. I was petite with long, straight, blonde hair. And um, I can remember the energy when I got up on the stage where the director and everyone was like, oh, this is our kid. And I froze. And I couldn't sing. And I couldn't get a note out. And I was shaking and my voice was quivering and uh, the director (laughs) so badly wanted me to be good. And he said, well, (laughs) why don't you sing happy birthday? And I couldn't sing it. I couldn't do it. And it, it sort of flavored and informed my feeling about musical theater for the future. I was just, my next audition for a musical theater piece was after college and the same exact thing happened. Wow. So you were scarred. That's a asked, really long like interesting <laughs> yeah, break in between asked that too. To, yeah. And and at that time I was, you know, singing in a band, so I was singing in front of people all the time mm. and karaoke was out and I had no mm. problem, but there was something very vulnerable uh, mm. and exposed feeling about singing in musical theater and I couldn't do it. And yeah. so I've always had this very negative feeling about musical theater and then when this collaboration happened, um it was kind of a new way for me to look at musical theater. You know, I could I could be a part of it um, without the fear, without the vulnerability, <laughs> um, except when in meetings with Neil and Harvey because things get scary. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but overall, you know, this has been a musical theater experience for me that has sort of changed my mind about musical theater. And Neil and Harvey have really taught me um, what it is to appreciate and love and really dive in emotionally to what this medium can be. What do you guys think the future of the world of the audiobook musical looks like? How do you guys hope to to push it forward? What do you hope other people do? To push that depends it on how well you market it. That's <laughs> 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 no, um, um, wow, that's a that's a that's a big question. Yeah, I would like yeah. to see yeah. the audiobook industry really embrace what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I would love to see everyone try to put out an audiobook musical and create a new genre for the industry. I think it really needs it. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think listeners um, are really hungry for content and different kinds of content. And there's a huge population of musical theater lovers all across the country that don't have access to, say, Broadway in New York or some of the bigger major musical theater that's happening around the world. And this gives them an opportunity to be a part of the audience when they wouldn't otherwise be able to do so. So Mm. I hope that the entire industry embraces and celebrates what we're Mm. doing and does some of their own. All right. That's the conversation we've been having is the audiobook audience is now being uh, open to the possibility of listening to musicals through audiobook. Mm-hmm. And the musical theater audience now has a way to hear, as Christine just said, to hear musicals that they can't necessarily get to, whether it's right. New York or get to a legitimate theater. They can have the full theater experience. Right, right. And this goes beyond the cast album, mm-hmm. right? cast album is usually a succession of songs from a show, the score of the show, but what this gives them is the complete theater of the mind theatrical experience. Yeah. So we have narration, we have di- so we have storytelling through narration, then we have dialogue through multicasting, and then we have musical numbers. And sound effects. And sound yeah. effects. And, 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 and musical numbers? And, hmm? 11? 12, 11, something like that. And uh, then we have- We uh, locked him in a room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we have- and we have underscoring, and it's a whole, it's a complete experience. So. That is a great point because I, I didn't even mm-hmm. think about that about mm-hmm. when I listen to a cast recording on mm-hmm. Spotify or something like that. That mm-hmm. I have to kind of piece together if I haven't seen the show what I think has happened in between mm-hmm. the numbers. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Cool. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. 
<laughs> what I was trying to say is yeah. thank you all. Um, Spin and Puss in Boots are both for the whole family yes. to listen to. How do you approach that very specific challenge of making content that plays for both the adults and the kids? You talked a bit about putting in extra levels of like social commentary. Yes. So I actually I have a little bit of a list because I didn't want to miss some of the things that that I I found going back through it and listing all the things that we touched on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Puss in Boots is a fun musical that even the youngest children should enjoy because it's. There's a lot of fun things going on. There's sound effects. There's there's happy music and there's great characters, but it also manages to make fun of or shine the light on father daughter relationships, mother daughter relationships, sibling rivalries, mob mentality, materialism, misogyny, the class system, royalty, <laughs> tradition, hipsters, gluten, lactose, golf, charitable causes, and the current administration, and a talking wow. cat. And wow, all with a talking cat. I'm going I'm to choose to believe that there wasn't a comma between lactose and golf. And there is just <laughs> like something golf? out there that's like lactose golf. Yeah. Lactose golf. You have invented something new. A new sport. And I yeah. like golf, lactose but we golf. still made fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all there. Um, I think, um, well, we kind of, we took a swing at everybody, really. Yes, we tried. You know, <laughs> even ourselves, you know. It was like you were, ourselves. it's like you were kids at a, birthday party with the pinata you just put on a blindfold well, I think the, and just yeah, yeah exactly I think the motivation for for me to create something that the whole family can enjoy is because I'm sort of um immersed in mommy world right now I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and so um my passion uh for this content is to create something to get my kids away from the screens away mm-hmm. from asking for my phone or an iPad or the TV um and enjoy a, an experience together in our imagination and I want to give that, and we want to give that to other families where you can sit in the car and you can all be entertained. Um, and listen. And listen yes. and use your imagination. Um, and so it was really important to me to create something that the whole family would enjoy because your children really want to spend time with you. This is something that you can do together. This is something that grandma will enjoy, mom and dad will enjoy, the kids will enjoy. And to me, that was a, a really important uh, aspect of what we were doing was to, you know, like Harvey is saying, we're adding in all of these elements to hook mm-hmm. in mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. And Neil is writing all this beautiful music that um, elicits emotion from the gamut of age. Um, so for me, it was really important just to make sure that we had mm-hmm. content that didn't just speak to one audience, but that could speak to the child and all of us, you know, the innocence in all of us um, and have a good time while doing it. Um, this is the last question I have for you all. Um, for all of the in-the-shower-only singers out there of yes. the world, of which I am a part, what's one piece of advice or like a quick fix that will improve our singing voices? Improve your singing voices. A quick fix, Andy? So, yeah. a quick we don't have time ask to Ask somebody else to do it for you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> run the shower harder. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, I always Turn think, up the music. <laughs> I, I, I always think that the the answer to that is is to really listen Okay, to and when you to do active listening, mm-hmm. all right, so that you're listening and tr- and analyzing at the same time what's happening. Um, you know, take lessons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beyond that, how to improve your your singing? Can you voice. put your finger in your ear? Sing along work? with, sing along with. Um, Great You know, singers. there are apps. There are yeah. apps now that will graphically indicate. How close you are to a pitch? Interesting. Yes, yeah. and and you can you can sing into your iPhone or your smartphone, 
and the app will actually show you where your voice is. And that's one way of training your voice to be a little more on pitch, let's say. Okay. Ignorance is, in, is bliss, Neil. Yeah. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, that would really be depressing. I'd be like, oh, I'm my like, oh my God, God, I'm it's never on pitch, ever. <laughs> because most people think they're on pitch, yeah. and then you drew, oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah, I'm people terrible. want the analytics until they see them, and then it's like, uh-oh. I think a quick fix, and, and we had talked about this earlier, and this is for all creatives and all performers, is to surrender, is mm-hmm. to commit. You know, you just kind of have to go for it. You have to stop allowing uh, the outside perspectives and judgments inform what you're doing. You just got to commit and go for it. So I think what Christine is saying, if you're going to sing off pitch, make it big. Make it big. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> do, it, yes. Yes. do it with gusto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Own it. Own it. That's great. Yes. Great. Well, you have all survived my interrogation and my <laughs> questions, but you have one more thing to do before you're off the hook, oh, and that no. is be subjected to the very oh. impressive-looking official Harper Audio Presents grab bag. Oh. Uh, so you can like do the this. honors, We've got Harvey? a bunch of questions in here. We'll do oh, like wow. two or three. Oh, okay. oh, really? I guarantee you so. these questions will not be smart. Oh. Uh, yeah. Am I reading it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead. What would you do if you were mayor for a day? Oh. oh. No, this is the wrong oh. person to ask this question. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Strap yeah, I, in, I don't, folks. I don't want to alienate part of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> so. Just mayor now. Come up so. with just mayor. Yeah, just lim- mayor. limited mayor. I give everybody the day off. Oh, there you go. and we'd all go to a Yankee game. Yeah. 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 Okay. There it is. Good answer. That was safe. Thank Good you. answer. Good answer. <laughs> oh, okay. I can make noise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now yeah. You're they got to. They got to hear how great the bag is. The bag is very impressive. Now you can make noise. This is one. Oh, this is not this is not for me. I'm sorry. I'm passing my question along. No, yeah, no. Not. What are the five most recent things you purchased on Amazon? Okay. <laughs> and true. Prime Day That's was true. just a little Prime, few so, days ago. Um, I got a phone cover. You can um, pull it. You can pull out your phone and take a look if you really need to. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I will. That's right in here. No, I won't. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't. Yeah. You can see. It could be incriminating. Um, I bought uh, bathing suits for the kids, beach toys for the kids, uh, my phone cover. Um, I bought two shirts for myself and, oh, birthday presents for my daughter. So quite a few Don't say what those are in case they listen. No, no, no. Her birthday already passed. She's six now. Happy birthday, Maya. Oh, there you Um, go. But that's what. You gave me a lame question. You could have thrown it back and picked a better one. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm not. Anyone who knows me knows I think I made five charitable donations on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who really knows me knows I'm not a shopper. The last thing in the world I am. Yeah. You want to give this one back too? I got it. I got it. Yeah, this is good. Again, there yeah. are no Ready? questions that, Ready? Neil, that suit Neil. Neil is- Ready? <laughs> Worst interview question you've ever been asked? This one. This one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I took it here. That was easy. There you go. Boom. Great. Well, then before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to plug or throw to before, oh before we get hmm. out of here? Oh, my. I, I would like to just say one thing, a, a thank you to our incredible cast, to uh, to Charles uh, de Montebello uh, at CDM Studios, who's an amazing engineer and, and you know, guided us through the process. Um, Don't forget Jim Dale. And Jim yeah. Dale, I wasn't, I was saving him for last, but uh, Jim Jim Dale, who, who we've, we've gotten to know uh, with both of these projects and, and who is just a joy to work with. He is just amazing. And um, of course, a huge thank you to Harper Collins for taking a chance on these unknown creators oh, in a genre that in a genre of audiobook that is not known yet, and and for really getting behind us and supporting um, this dream of ours. So mm. thank you very much to Harper Collins. Yes, yes, yes. 
thank you guys again for being on the podcast. This has been the best part of my day. I don't think anything will top it. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you again to Neil, Harvey, and Christine. Puss in Boots is available wherever you get your audiobooks, and it's on sale now. So what are you waiting for? Go get your copy. And as promised earlier, we're going to end our show today with a, in this case, literal show-stopping tune from Puss in Boots. Prologue. Where there's a will. (laughs) There, there, my sons, don't be sad. It is true that my end is near, but I have lived a good, if humble, life, and I am ready to move on to my great reward. But, Father, we will miss you so. Father, you mean everything to us. How shall we live without you? Fret not. With the lessons I have taught you, and a little effort, you shall all make your way in the world. And with the possessions that I shall leave each of you, I have faith that... Possessions? Did he say possessions? What kind of possessions? It is all written here in my will. (laughs) I, the farmer of this hamlet, being of sound mind and body, (laughs) do hereby bequeath all my worldly possessions to my loyal sons. As follows. To Maurice, my very firstborn, I leave my land so you can grow some sweet corn. My tools to help you farm and, oh, of course, for fertilizer, yes, my horse. With these possessions you can make a life, perhaps find a wife. Someday raise a child or two And tell them about the grandpa they never knew Never knew Farming? But Pop, I don't know anything about farming I thought I'd get a cushy office job They have benefits Nonsense! You're the son of a farmer, Maurice It's in your blood But Pop! It'll be okay, Maurice You'll make an effort and you'll learn Listen to your old man. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a try, there's a do. Oh, please believe me, your diligence will pay. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a horse, there's a plow. With land and sweat off my brow. I'll grow some barley and make a little hay Where there's a will, there's a way To Lawrence, my second child I leave my grazing land where grass grows wild My goat, two chickens and my sow For fertilizer, yes, my cow With these possessions you can make a life 
perhaps find a wife Someday raise a child or two And tell them about the grandpa they never knew But Pop never knew What am I gonna do with all those animals? They're filthy and I'm allergic to pet hair the chickens will lay eggs from my sow, delicious bacon, and from my cow, fresh milk, cheese, and butter. But I've never actually milked a cow, and I'm lactose intolerant. You'll try, you'll learn, you'll do. Well, okay. Where there's a cow, there is milk. Sweet-tasting butter like silk. I'll make some ice cream, perhaps a nice parfait, where there's a will. There's a way To Clarence, my final offspring I'm afraid what's left is next to nothing But so I am not forced to leave you flat I leave a farthing and our cat With these possessions you can make a life Perhaps find a wife Someday raise a child or two And tell them about the grandpa they never knew Never knew I've got the will, where's the way? Hate to complain, what the hay? You drew the short straw. What more can we say? Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yes, my sons. Where there's a try, there's a do. You tell them, kiddos. We got the good stuff. At least we'll be okay. Where there's a will. <laughs> Pop, are you okay? Where there's a will. Pop, I think he's gone. I'm afraid so. So sad. Now where were we? Where there's a will, there's a way. But what about Dad? Where there's a try, there's a do. What's wrong with you two? We got the good stuff, no need to find a way. Guys! Where there's a will, where there's a will, where there's a will, there's a way. Harper Audio Presents is a presentation of HarperCollins Publishers. Our staff includes Beth Ives, Fametta Sawyer, Nathan Rossborough, and me, Andrew Caberline. Follow us on Instagram at HarperAudio and reach out to us on Twitter at HarperAudio Presents.